I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot Hello, magical friends. I'm Ali Michelle. And I'm Raquel Mantra, and welcome to Your Own Magic Podcast. Our intention is to connect you with the most inspiring thought leaders and visionaries and share some of our experiences and wisdom to help you unleash your own magic. Yes, we're so grateful you're spending this present moment with us today. That any moment could bring you anything, even love, mm. you know, and that life is not over ever there's always hope there's always possibility now let the magic begin hello soul tribe raquel here and i am on such a high right now as i am relishing in what I just edited for you this was the very first time I heard this guest speak for us while I was editing because I wasn't physically there and trust me you're in for some delicious dessert Allie did the most phenomenal job taking the wheel this episode on our very first ever in-person your own magic interview Okay, well, her first person, Yom interview, I unfortunately was on a plane and have yet to have that experience, but that's okay. This person was worth booking, and honestly, this person doesn't need either one of us to make this episode magical as he speaks for himself. So yes, I feel the FOMO and the fear of missing out, um, absolutely, because he is one of my top choices that I have longed to interview, but more so to have on this show and that has manifested and I just can't wait for you guys to get a taste of in Q who is one of my favorite contemporary spoken word poets actually no wait one of my favorite poets of all time who Ali happened to introduce me to back in our India days a year ago well she introduced me to his poetry and my goosebumps 
were as tall as the Himalayan mountains that we were staying on. Seriously. (laughs) Um, I am so happy that this interview happened as they were both one-on-one in person in LA. In queue, by the way, is short for in question and my secret poet crush. Um, Yeah, uh, (laughs) he is revolutionizing contemporary poetry, making it quote-unquote what I like to call cool again. He is, no joke, NQ is making poetry cool again because people like NQ have removed the stereotype that poetry is unprogressive or boring or belongs in the renaissance or only belongs to Dr. Seuss, (laughs) who is also one of my favorite poets. But anyways, no, no, poetry is an art form that people from across the globe listen to one person's poem or read one person's poem and have an experience that is relatable even though their experience their lens that they wear to see their own reality to perceive their own reality is completely different than that of the poets yet they are still drawn to that poetry because they're having a similar feeling it's moving them and that's what draws me to write poetry and that's really what draws me to poets like in Q who are powerful performers who use poetry and move others as expressively as music can move the souls it is poetry is like music in a sense where it is musical in spoken word so again, I am so honored to have NQ on your own magic and for the soul tribe to relish in his poetic wisdom that will undoubtedly inspire you to express your vulnerability from a place of strength and maybe help you get in touch with communicating with that energy of your own creativity, to honor your own creativity. And I also love that he encourages us to declare our dreams to someone else. Uh, He is brilliant. This episode is full of poetic wisdom, like I said, and Allie even gets in cue to perform a few poems. And don't fast forward, but the last poem is one of my favorite poems of his. In fact, no, it's probably one of my favorite contemporary poems. Yep. So with that in mind, sit back, relax, or or get ready to run miles if you're running, and enjoy the poetic wisdom of NQ. Hello, Soul Tribe. We have quite the magical gift for you today. I'm here with one of the most inspiring spoken word poets in existence, Adam of NQ. From doing TED Talks to performing for some of the biggest corporations like Facebook to doing poetry slams right here in Los Angeles, NQ manages to cut straight through our social masks and drop any audience deep into vulnerability in a matter of minutes. He is a voice for connection in his work ranging on topics from communication, gun violence, the environment, love, but really he invites his audience to look inside and question their own existence. Make sure you check out his YouTube channel, NQ, and his Instagram, NQ Life. Welcome. Thank you so much. I feel like leaving, that was so good. (laughs) I'm not going to live up to that. You already live up to it. It wouldn't be on here if you didn't. Okay, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, I appreciate you being here. I saw your show at the Peppermint Club the other day, and it was so inspiring. Thanks. You just completely owned your presence and your craft, and yeah, everyone in the audience felt it. Awesome. What is that process like for you, performing a show? Like, how do you stay so open in your vulnerability? Because I know it's a performance, but it feels like you're inviting us into your heart, really, for a bit. Um, I think that, you know, if the material is vulnerable, then the performance has the potential of being vulnerable with various degrees of success and failure. Or maybe not degrees, but yeah, degrees. Degrees is the right word because you can be more vulnerable on a certain day yeah. or feel more closed off or not be able to uh, reach that place of authenticity for whatever reason. Um, but the material will guide you. And so where you write the material from I think is probably the most important thing for me because if it starts in a place that's true uh, then the rest of the poem will almost write itself if I give it time and space and then by the time I reach the stage I already have something that's real that I can build on and create a moment with the people that are there yeah that's really what you do you create this whole moment and experience and make everyone kind of question why they're here in the first place. It's really amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so if you're open to it, would you share a poem that's really resonating with you right now? It could be new. It could be old. Just give our audience a taste of what you do. Yeah, sure. So I just wrote this piece, actually. And I like it. And I wouldn't perform it otherwise. But I feel like it's a perfect occasion. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be loved to be loved. You are love. You don't have to be. You just have to be. Can you see? You don't have to be loved to be loved. You are love. That's what you're made of. There's nothing to become. It's what you came from, love. No matter who you are or what you do, there is no one to compare yourself to. There is only love. Even when it's hate, it's still love. You just have to wait long enough. Eventually, it's showing up. I think it's showing off. Look at all the disguises it's pulling off. But underneath it all, love. The building blocks of civilization. The mantra that anchors me in my meditations. The frequency that activates a manifestation. The source of all creation. Of course you know the name of it. What? You gotta love. say love. love. <laughs> <laughs> the more you give, the more you gain. Because you can't lose what you contain. It's an equation that I can't explain. You'd have to think outside your brain. You'd have to let the pain pass through you like a mighty rain. You'd have to celebrate your hate without resorting to blame. Only then can things begin to change. You know the name of it, love. They'll tell you that it comes from up above. But it comes from deep inside. When there's nowhere left to hide. When you take responsibility for being on this ride, when you refuse to dramatize or victimize, you can rise. When you don't judge your judgments and you're proud without your pride, that's the moment you'll be most alive. I can't deny I'm still attached to being unattached. I'm holding on to letting go, but I will not achieve my goals until I can become my goals because I will not express my soul unless I do not need your love. I must accept myself without exception, then I'll be your love. I wish that I was good enough to make you see your love. But being good enough will never let me lead from love. 
I'd have to breathe from love. I'd have to bleed from love. I'd have to be from love. Can you see my love? It's so incredible. Like, I don't even really have words to describe it. You just kind of, every word has so much truth behind it. And every sentence and line you could unpack in an entire book, I feel like. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was funny. I was like, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I, I was like love? pointing it to you. You were like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where does that come from? Like, for that poem specifically, do you meditate beforehand? Do you have a process? Does it just come to you? Um, well, I meditate twice a day. It's pretty much the only non-negotiable practice in my life, um, and I've been doing it for over two and a half years now. And, uh, yeah, I have not missed one. It's, like, kind of the foundation of, of everything for me. Um, and uh, I would say that that is, like, a, something that makes every part of my life better. But it's not necessarily where the writing, you know, comes from. Because when I wasn't meditating, I, I was still, you know, finding things that I was inspired about and curious about and just wanting to, like, follow that trail. Um, so yeah, meditation is like a gym for letting go. Mm. And basically that's all life is, is ultimately we're letting go of everything in the end, you know? And so you're practicing for that so that when you're in your daily life, the things that you're thinking and the things that you're feeling don't become all consuming and you can just like breathe and plug back into the moment and connect to what's actually happening in reality rather than your projection of reality or unresolved trauma from the past or whatever it is that people use to project mm -hmm. you know and remove themselves from the world um but the the poetry i think comes from just paying attention to like what's going on around me and paying attention to what i'm thinking and feeling but not holding on to it and so if if something does resonate then I just kind of like write it down. And that's the beginning of starting somewhere that's true. Um, and so like that particular piece, I was in Switzerland. I was at Davos. I was performing at Davos, the, which is like the World Economic Forum. Or, and uh, it's a fucking shit show, you know, for a bunch of different reasons. My friend said this a long time ago. If you're going to go to the shit show, you should expect to get hit was some shit. <laughs> so That's a poem right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was there and, like, you know, it's interesting. I definitely have the experience, like, in social environments where, like, I might say hello to somebody and they'll connect with me, but maybe they're distracted. You know, mm -hmm. L.A. is like that. A lot of places are like that. People are just kind of on their own thing, you know, and they're looking for what they're looking for. But oftentimes then when I perform, a lot of the same people that maybe were distracted when they were talking to me a second ago will put a lot of attention on me. And so um, that was even more accentuated in Davos because if you're in Davos and you tell somebody you're a poet, they're like, great to meet you. And they just walk. I mean, you know, you can't even really for the most part have a conversation because people spend so much money to be there and they're very uh, focused on whatever agenda they have, what, mm -hmm. what they want to do. And um, 
And then, of course, after I perform, I would have a different experience if I was in the same room. So that was the first line. It was, y you don't have to be loved to be loved. Like, you are loved. Because I was aware of how that made me feel in that moment when people would disregard me for how they perceived me in that, you know, particular interaction. And then when they saw what I did, they became very interested mm -hmm. because what I do is not who I am. You know, it's what I'm choosing to do. It's what I'm choosing to follow in my life because I'm th enthusiastic about it. But uh, it's not who I am. You know, so, so you that's don't that's identify with it necessarily. I identify it from a moment to moment basis. Like I consider myself a writer. I consider myself a poet. Um, and I imagine that I will do this for the rest of my life. I've certainly been inspired up until now. Um, but I don't confine myself by that definition. And if I wake up tomorrow and I decide that I don't want to do it, then I'll do something else. And the freedom within that, I think, is what allows me to continue to keep choosing it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I identify on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. That's a really powerful place to be because then it's like your art has no pressure on it. You can just let it flow. But yeah. I mean, I wish I could say I'm that, I'm that enlightened. I, mean, <laughs> I definitely put, <laughs> I put a lot of pressure on myself at different moments. And, you know, I certainly have moods. But uh, for the most part, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I think it's the fact that you're honest about it that really draws people to you. I remember at your show the other night, um, my sister and I were talking about it. You had this poem, and it was something like, I'm everything that you say I am, but you are also everything you say I am. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it. How do you think that people, because in those situations, um, those social settings where there's so much projection going on and it's, it's hard to really drop deep with someone, how do you think we can move past our judgments and kind of get to a more accepting place as a collective? Uh, I think we need to accept our judgments and acknowledge them first, and then we can let go of them. Because I think ignoring them or fighting against them feeds them, you know? You know, if you ignore them, it's going to come out in another way. If you fight against it, it's actually giving it energy or make yourself feel bad for having your judgments. It's just like you acknowledge what's happening, let it go, plug back into uh, the moment and, you know, be here together. Um, there's a lot of information in reality that I feel like we're constantly missing, mm -hmm. me included, you know? Because I'm thinking about how I want to be perceived, getting validation, my ego, you know. You're never going to get rid of your ego. Your ego is a part of your humanity. Trying to get rid of it is a waste of time. Uh, but acknowledging it, accepting it, becoming friends with it, you know, celebrating your humanity, celebrating your identity, but then knowing that life is you know, all about you, but not at all about you. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would help you get to a place of more self-love and recognizing that you are loved because your ego is such a, an intrinsic part of you. Yeah. So I love your perception on that. Um, the way that you do spoken word is so unique, and I can hear the hip-hop in it, too. Mm -hmm. So 
I know you have a background in that and I'd love you to talk about more of your story and where that started for you and kind of how you weave it in because the way that you perform spoken word is very different. Yeah, uh, well, I started out as a rapper when I was 13 years old or 14 years old. I was horrible, but I fell in <laughs> love with the art form. And it was just the meditation of it, actually. It was freestyling originally. And um, I mean, I started out joking, really, because I just loved all the rappers. And I, so I was like joking in my freestyles. And then I stopped joking because I loved the um focus that it takes to be inside of a freestyle and to not be thinking about anything else but the next word and the next concept and the next rhyme and actually you know it is a meditation similar to like a moving meditation like you know moto yoga moto yoga there's your plug i have an amazing <laughs> view of which is uh, my favorite hot yoga place. Oh, it's hot yoga. Oh, it's unbelievable. Isn't hot yeah. yoga amazing? It's really unbelievable. It's like you sweat out everything you don't need. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And you sweat out stuff from what's going on now, and you sweat out stuff from what happened in the past that you haven't quite gotten out of your system. Um, but I was actually going to say, you know, like one of the things that I really like doing, and I almost never do it, is uh, I like running down mountains like if i hike up to a mountain i will always run down do you ever trip what's that do you ever trip uh i mean drugs no i mean oh. like trip and fall down the mountain <laughs> i swear to god that's I what see i thought where your head's i was at, not thinking about <laughs> You're i was like, like trip i don't trip oh do i trip, do I trip? <laughs> um both yeah <laughs> uh anyway so um no i haven't but the reason why it's a moving meditation, and if I did it long enough, I would. But the reason why it's a moving meditation is because you can't think about anything else but your next step. Because mm -hmm. all of it is unpredictable. And how you're hitting the trail, you could sprain your ankle at any point, trip, hit your head. You're not really risking anything very dangerous. But you could hurt yourself. It's legitimate. So it puts you in the moment. And... That's what freestyling does because you can't think about anything else. You have to be in the next word or the next concept or the next rhyme, especially if there's people around or if you're battling somebody else and your reputation is on the line, you know. Um, and so uh, that's what I think initially drew me to it. And then you could talk about so many things in such a short amount of time and I also had a lot of things that were going on in my life that I felt like I needed an outlet for. Uh, and this was unconscious. And I felt drawn to that voice uh, in general, the voice of hip-hop, the freedom of hip-hop, um, the independence, the kind of, uh, you know, rebel, uh, just beauty of it all. And so I just started making my own stuff and uh, eventually I started taking it very seriously. And then when I was 19, I wound up at the Poetry Lounge, which is my other plug, yeah. which is uh, still going on. It's uh, the extension of Fairfax High School and it's at the Greenway Court Theater and it's every Tuesday night. And there's 350 people that come every single week on Tuesday night to listen to other people do poetry. It's like church without religion. 
and that's where I started putting up my raps acapella and uh, eventually realized that I was more of a poet than an MC. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like it brings you into that flow state, whether you're running down the mountain or doing poetry. It's like a tether to be completely present, which I think we need more of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Plus, your poems are really are like prayers, so I love the way you said that, like church without the dogma of it. Yeah. Yeah, nice. definitely. Psst, tribe. Sorry to interrupt, but I would just like to say a quick thank you to our delicious sponsor, Four Sigmatic. So for those of you who are not familiar with Four Sigmatic and the power of mushrooms, then it's time to listen up because Ali and I are in love. We are in love with lion's mane, in love with reishi and cordyceps and chaga, which we like to either add to or completely replace our daily coffee. And just adding these magical elixirs frees coffee drinkers from all of the jitters and crashes and stomach issues. You know what I'm talking about, coffee drinkers. <laughs> Our bodies are just so over-experiencing from coffee overdose. <laughs> Let's be honest. Or we just drink the magical elixirs as a coffee replacement themselves. Just drinking the shrooms. And it's actually delicious when you mix it with stevia and coconut milk. My favorite for energy is cordyceps because, well, they get me fired up for just a nice long run or a sweet vinyasa flow. But at night, if I want to calm down, reishi, which is also known as liquid yoga, which calms and eases my mind and body kind of like a safe tranquilizer for the brain, as we'd like to call it, as it alleviates stress and activates sleep cycles. And then during the day, when you want to focus, my absolute favorite, I think this one is actually my favorite of all the shrooms, Lion's Mane. This one is used by Buddhist monks to enhance focus during meditation. And for the non-coffee lovers out there, well, okay, one, you're crazy. Smart, but crazy. But they do have a delicious matcha mix for you that I absolutely love. And I'm not even a big matcha fan. So if you're interested in learning more about this, I did list the benefits of each mushroom on our blog, euromagic.life. And if you're just interested in purchasing the shrooms, well, Four Sigmatic is gifting the Soul Tribe 15% off. So click on the link in the show notes or go to foursigmatic.com forward slash soul tribe that's foursigmatic f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c dot com forward slash soul tribe and enter the discount code soul tribe s-o-u-l-t-r-i-b-e so one word no spaces soul tribe for 15 percent off your magical coffee and mushroom elixir order soul freaking delicious enjoy and enjoy the rest of the show um we're in this really exciting time where i feel like poetry is having a revolution like you see it with your work and rupi Carr and mm -hmm. all these other poets yeah rupi's great yeah why do you think that is and what does poetry mean for you um i think that as people feel more uh connected through the internet this is cliche, but things are cliche because they're fucking true. Yeah. <laughs> Often, or at least they're true in a generalized way. You know, people are more connected through the internet and they're also more isolated simultaneously. And this is a very bizarre dichotomy 
for humanity to be dealing with and there's no way for us to quantify it in real time. So I think that people are seeking out um, ways to connect. And I think that for me as a fan, some of my best experiences in an audience has been watching poets. I mean, most transformative art experiences. And I think poetry is a really beautiful genre for connecting people, uh, for storytelling, for creating empathy. Mm -hmm. And empathy is what the world needs most right now, is for us to listen to each other and to be vulnerable from a place of strength and to accept our judgments and let them go so that we can connect to the person. And um, so I hope that that's the reason that poetry is having that resurgence and that it will become as important of a genre uh, and as recognized in popular culture as comedy or music. Um, I think that it deserves that space. And I think that um, the reason that it hasn't had it yet is because maybe people weren't ready for it. Maybe, um, you know, the, the platforms weren't there. I mean, if you even look at uh, the fact that Rupi could just find her audience, you know, you could find your audience. You could just put up things that are meaningful to you and people become drawn to that. That's really beautiful. That was never the case, you know, even whatever, 10 years ago. It, w it wasn't possible. Yeah. And so uh, I'm excited to see where that goes, not only for poetry, but for people. Yeah, and I like how you phrased it, vulnerability from a place of strength, because I feel like that's what it is. Like, you're sharing your art with an open heart, not to rhyme, but... That was good. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think that that's what a lot of people need more of right now, is just that kind of opening that you do for people, so... You too, I mean, that's that's why you connect so much with your audience. And that's Thank why you. they're so engaged, is because you're so real. And so, I mean, look, I, I even have an issue with social media and figuring out how I can be a part of it in a way that feels good to me. And I yeah. think that's partially because I came from a different time and, and everything, you know, you make a tape. <laughs> I mean, literally a fucking tape. <laughs> and then you go out and you find an A&R. You know, like when I was yeah. 13 years old, I was like, oh, if I could meet an A&R. <laughs> I just want to meet an A&R. That was your dream? That was it. You know, yeah. we didn't know anybody. So, okay, you know, and then you get, s you make your thing and then you get signed and then they put it out. And it was just all of these steps that other people had to be involved in creating your brand and you got to create your art, but th the brand was created for you. But now people can create their own brands. And actually now I think people are just dropping brands. People are just being. And audiences really do have an opportunity to be best friends with the artist. Yeah. If the artist is willing to go there, you know, I have mixed feelings about that <laughs> for myself because <laughs> I really value whatever imaginary privacy I have. But I, I think I need to open up to that because the world moves on and doesn't really care about my ideologies or opinions like, and uh, I'd like to evolve with it. So. Definitely. Social media is a tricky one, like to be able to do that from an honest place because it's a gift to have a voice. But then how do you really do that authentically? You know, because mm. everyone's especially like when they meet you, too, they have an idea of who you are. And right. then it's like matching that to who you actually are. 
but I feel like the gift of what you do is that it's so raw and honest. There's not really um, a huge projection there. Thanks. Like, yeah. I could be a lot more projectionless. <laughs> 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 I mean, I could. I, I know that there's a lot of room for me to grow in that department, too. Like, I still feel like I'm the vehicle for my art, but I'm also um, the obstacle for my art. Because the poem has something it wants to say. And when I write it, I'm usually able to communicate it. I just keep getting out of the way. But when I perform it, I still have me. Mm. And I want things or I notice things. You yeah. know, and it actually gets in the way sometimes. So um, I know there's room for me to grow. More, more acceptance to do so that I can reconnect in a deeper way. Which is true for anyone, I feel like. It's yeah. just, that's the journey of life. But um, do you look at your poems as separate entities almost? Because you're saying, like, I let the poem write itself. Um, so, or do you think that that comes from you? I guess I'm asking where it comes from. Um, I think that it sounds super pretentious to be like, <laughs> I'm channeling <laughs> <laughs> some sort of, it's like, oh, yeah, bro, whatever, shut up. I'll get you the Malabids so and the I yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel that way. But uh, I do feel like you're anything creative, you're communicating with the energy of creativity. And it's inside of you and it's outside of you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the more open you can be and the more patient you can be, um, the more it can come through you and from you. So I think it's both simultaneously. But I don't take any ownership over my poems, except for the lawyers, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Officially you do, but in your real person life. <laughs> but that, no, that's actually, I mean, I've never said that, but that's funny. Like, that's a funny thing to even say. It's a w stupid you know, juxtaposition, but, but it's true. I don't really feel like, you know, they're mine because even after I write them, I become somebody else. So I'm revisiting that moment of truth when I wrote it, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm trying to do justice to that. Um, so yeah, they're mine, but they're not mine. Yeah, I love that. You're communicating. It's almost like a collaboration with the creative process. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you said before that the questions are more important than asking the answers. Why do you think that is? And have you always asked such deep questions? Like, has this been the way that you've seen life? Yeah, and I would say to my own detriment, too, because I think that a lot of me pushing things into my brain was me not being able to deal with my emotions basically like I feel like when I think back on myself I feel like I had a lot of shit that I didn't know how to process mm -hmm. and so I just moved it to my head and like anything else if you work out a certain part of your body that will become more developed you know um, but there's a detriment to not being balanced so um, once you realize that, you can recalibrate. But what got you here won't get you there. And what got me here 
couldn't have happened without all of that other stuff. So I'm not like looking at it like it was a negative thing. Um, but at a certain point, you know, asking questions to distract yourself from your life. <laughs> that's not healthy either, you know? Dissecting everyone else's problems so you don't have to look at your own, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. What's a question that you've been really asking lately? Um, see, now immediately I have to go, all right, so I want to be personal. Like, um, but I think, I think that, um, I had this feeling the other day. It was a very, very specific feeling. And then I had a thought based on the feeling, but it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't like I had a thought and, you know, this was a cool thought, you know, it was like I had a feeling, I didn't know what was happening. And then I defined it with a thought. And the feeling was that basically I, I had this feeling that nothing was outside of me. Um, I was just like going through my day and it was a pretty strong feeling. It was almost overwhelming. It wasn't overwhelming. I was still fine and able to function and everything like that. But that was the feeling. I, it was that there was nothing outside of my body, not the inanimate objects, not the people that I was talking to, but that simultaneously I was free, mm. that I was independent and I had my own identity. And that was a crazy thing to f feel simultaneously. And then it went away. And I would like to learn how to feel that as much as possible. And... You know, I think that that has to do with me uh, continuing to unpack whatever old shit I have that's stopping me from being able to connect uh, the way that I would like to. You know, because everything is on a, a scale. So it's like someone might look at me and they say, oh, you're doing that thing. But like you said, it's a never ending process. Mm -hmm. And I know what potential I have inside of me. And yeah. I feel like I'm still holding back, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so even that concept that I described earlier, I mean, that's like, I don't even know how to say it, but codependence is inside of that somehow, like the concept of codependence, you know, like I even that poem, like needing someone to love you to love them or like you know, needing to be loved to feel like you are love or, you know, it's either everything is me, you know, or I'm the only person here mm -hmm. where it's like, no, it's like learning how to surf that wave of being in both places simultaneously because then I think you're in the soul and the spirit. It's almost like whether you're looking through the eyes of your mind or the eyes of your heart and like balancing that. Mm. What's something that brings you into balance with that, do you feel? Or is it just these moments of clarity that you get from paying close attention? Moto yoga. Moto yoga, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're getting all the plugs right there. <laughs> Moto is great. Um, you know, meditation is great. I do body work. I do therapy. You know, I have all sorts of modalities. I have, you know, a woman that 
I go to who's a, a tarot card reader, but she's like the truth. She's like the oracle from the Matrix. Mm. It's the craziest shit ever. And then this body work person that I work with, she just, you know, she's unbelievable too. Her name is uh, Raquel Putter. And uh, the other woman's name is Sylvie, but she doesn't want me to promote her. <laughs> she, she's the most, she's like my spiritual mom. She's like Aww. this this unbelievable woman. When I first went to her, she goes, she heats up tea on a pan. Like she just doesn't <laughs> care about it. She's literally... Oh, that's it, really? Yeah. Oh, I got to connect you guys. Yeah. <laughs> the tea heating up on a pan tea connection. Fellow tea pan heater upper. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's, yeah, she's unbelievable. So she she was like, you want some tea? I'm like, yeah. So she's heating up on a pan. And she pours me a cup. And she, and I've sent, I, I'm not kidding, probably 40 people to her. Okay? Wow. Everyone is mind blown. And no one has the same experience. And no one has ever gotten this, what she said to me. She puts the tea in front of me and she goes, you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And she said, this is a spiritual being having a tea experience. And she said, it's here for you. It's a miracle. And your problem is you're not looking at your life like that. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I responded to that like it was like a fucking rap battle. I was like, oh, you know, like. Drop the mic. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah so that, that was just the opening. She's just, you know. So uh, I think being around mentors, mm -hmm. you know, people that can teach me things. I think everyone is a teacher and a student in the same moment. But you have to find people that inspire you, you know, your your tribe, your community, the things that you feed yourself with in terms of art uh, and then mentors. Um, and I think that that helps to keep me grounded and and balanced and seeking. Yeah, it's so important to surround yourself with people that can see all of you, like see what you need to work on and see what you're good at and like speak to that potential inside of you and bring yeah. it out more. Yeah. What do you feel is a challenge that you faced in your life that maybe kind of transformed your art or just deepened you as a person, um, just anything. Um, I'm doing boxing right now. I really yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm what? just promoting all my shit. Yeah, like just <laughs> keep going. Prevail boxing, everyone. <laughs> what about boxing makes you feel that way? Uh, it's just like a new thing to uh, tackle. It's a challenge, you know, I think, you know, I, I basically like travel around the country and the world doing performances, but also I do these workshops for people and the workshops will uh, get other people writing poetry and sharing their poetry. And it's the most transformative experience. I really, I couldn't say enough about it and I don't take on any ownership over that as well i think if you give people a space to express themselves they will step into it if you give them permission and if you lead by example and so every single time no matter if i do it for a company a corporation ju juvenile hall uh, it doesn't matter where i do it everyone's crying and it's you know and everyone's connecting 
as much as you can in, in those environments and more than <laughs> you would probably think would happen or be appropriate. Um, but one of the things that I talk to them about is like, you know, getting out of their comfort zones and just like doing things that can challenge them, make them uncomfortable because that's how you grow the most. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I got in boxing and I was like, you know, two sessions in and I was already like, you know, pissed at myself that I wasn't a professional. You know, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't like not being good at things either. People don't like not being good at things. They, yeah. they basically like, you know, find something they're good at, then they get validated for that thing. They get paid for that thing. And then they just stay there. They hold on to it like a life preserver. You have to force yourself to keep doing things that you're not good at. And it might not feel good, but that's how you grow. And I promise boxing helps me grow in every area. Boxing helps my poetry somehow. I don't even have to understand how. It just does. It'll, it'll show up. And then I'll move on to something else, you know. I'm sure if I, you know, whatever, took a cooking class or something like that. I mean, it's, it's so random, but, you know, everything is an art form if you can bring attention to it like that and if everything is an art form then all art forms would help each other in terms of how they would ripple out into your life tribe short interruption to thank our sponsor who has been with us since day one and it seems that the yomis just love hum nutrition First, I wanted to just thank every single one of you who has rated and reviewed the podcast out of the kindness of your souls, and you also just happened to be entered in the giveaway, and we're now on, I believe, the fourth round of the Amazing Hum giveaway, gifting Hum products all around the globe, not just the United States. I believe we've also sent to Denmark and Australia all over because Hum is just showing their gratitude for you as this is a long-term relationship with the Soul Tribe, and they're continuing their giveaway for another round, giving three more of our listeners Hum products, and I, I am in love with their products. Like when I was dealing with my belly issue that I brought from Bali, I took Hum's Gut Instinct and the Flatter Me tablets, which, as you know, helped get things running a little more, as I say, smoothly, if you know what I mean. <laughs> But what I really love from them are their raw beauty superfood powders, especially their mint chocolate chip infusion and ginger snap, ginger snap to add to my blended drinks. And like I said, Hum is continuing to offer three more of our listeners three months of $150 worth of Hum products for free. So generous. All you have to do is rate and review our podcast and send a screenshot to info at your own magic dot life info at your own magic dot life and in the meantime try hum out as they gift the soul tribe 20 percent off their purchases at humnutrition.com when you use the promo code magic that's humnutrition.com promo code magic and <laughs> speaking of hum that just reminds me of a meditation our master had Ali and I do in India where we would hum for about 30 minutes or more plugging our ears with our thumbs and 
I just remember experiencing a numbing and buzzing sensation all over my face. It was amazing. So a little meditation hat tip to try. Try that and hum nutrition for 20% off using promo code MAGIC. And now enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, I love that you mentioned you don't have to know how boxing affects your poetry, but you know it well, because I do think that how you do anything is how you do everything, and it's like learning, because when you go outside your comfort zone, you're so present, because you're doing it for the first time. Mm. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing. Um, Can you perform a poem that helped you at a challenging time in your life? Can I perform a poem that helped me at a challenging time in my life? Okay, yeah, I will. Yeah, I don't ever think to do this one, but um, that's good. But I'll do it. I'm staring at the number, wondering if I should call. I can hear the tick tock from the clock on the wall as it meshes with the thump thump beat of my heart. Sometimes getting something started is the hardest part of it. I didn't meet my dad until I was 15. I had seen his photograph, but his image was sickening. A coward with a dick, but no balls to back it up. See, when he left me as a kid, I had cause for acting up. The funny thing about hate is the person you hate doesn't feel that hate. You feel that hate, but wait. The weight can be too much for a person to take, and personally, I was hurt, so I just locked it away. I was angry all the time, and I didn't know why. I couldn't handle my own rage, so I would hide it inside. Pretending everything was fine became a daily pastime. Time passed, and I started to believe in my own lies. I took it out on my mom because she raised me alone. The rage that I couldn't own had left me totally numb. It was like landmines in my mind that I didn't understand. So when the boy inside cried, the young man outside yelled. I think I learned about my masculinity from TV. The people weren't real, so I knew they couldn't leave me. I would sit there for hours right in front of the tube. The images that I saw were my depiction of truth. It was manhood in a box, and I bought into it. The censorship of anything inside of me that's sensitive. The sentences, a lifetime of tears, suppressed in a stone face, an overblown ego they've distracted through a paper chase. Back when I was eight, I imagined in my mind that my father was a spy working for the FBI, and that's why he couldn't stop by or write a drop a line. He was off saving our lives from the bad guys. But that was just a lie that I used to get by so that you wouldn't see the tears welling up in my eyes. When you're rejected by the person that you're created by, you secretly feel like you don't have a right to your life. I thought if I confronted him, then it would make it all right. But since I couldn't forgive him, it just recycled my spite. I remember meeting him for the first time. Every time a person passed by, I would ask, Mom, is that him? I look a little like him, right? No? Oh. Well, what about that guy? 
And that was what it was like to meet the man that gave me my life. To shake his hands and look into his eyes. We talked till he apologized, then said our goodbyes. I walked away on my own, then I began to cry. Now, for years after that, I acted like it's all resolved. I told him what I thought, so I figured problem solved, but it just re-evolved. My insecurities were eating at my mental health. I took it out on my girl because I hated myself, and that's when I finally decided I needed some help. I opened up. I got some therapy. I started writing and sharing about my past. I got honest with myself, and I started chipping at my mask. I looked into the mirror and confronted what I saw, accepting the reflection by embracing every flaw, then directing the connection into breaking down the walls by reflecting the perfection of the God inside us all. I stopped focusing on everything that I had been hateful for, and I started focusing on everything I could be grateful for. And personally, there is a lot we can be thankful for. If pain is dragging you down, just cut your ankle cord. It's when the weight lifted and I really started living. It's when my hate shifted and I really started giving. It's when my fate twisted. It was like an ego exorcism. See, your mind state could be the most powerful of prisons. My father never played catch with me or gave advice. But if nothing else, that man gave me my life. And that's enough for me if that's all he can ever give. Because I'm appreciative for every day I get to live. And even though I don't need my dad to validate me, I thought that I should write this poem to thank him for creating me. Because every moment that we are alive is like a gift. And if that's not enough to forgive, then what is? I'm staring at the number wondering if I should call. I can hear the tick-tock from the clock on the wall as it meshes with the thump-thump beat of my heart. Sometimes getting something started is the hardest part of it. Pick the phone up. The dial tone begins to sing. I punch his number into it and it begins to ring. 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 Hello, Mike. Hey, man. It's Adam. Your son. Wow. Usually I make like everybody hug after that. It's like a whole thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's just. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then they write their own poem. It's like a, it's a nice thing. It's like, a, I really like the workshop. So that's one of the ones that I always will use in the workshop. Because when you're open like that, people are willing to be open with you. Mm-hmm. Or they're at least willing to be open with themselves. And uh, that's the start. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to honor you for being so open because that's, there's something very raw about everything that you do, but that one in particular really hit me. So thank you. Yeah. Do you, does that take you to that place you were in? Like, do you still feel how you felt in that moment? Or is it more like you're speaking 
of a memory? Um, so I definitely feel it, but I also have to facilitate. Mm-hmm. And so the communication of the message I think is more important to me than almost my experience in a poem like that, at least. Mm-hmm. Because if I go fully into my experience, I don't know that I'll be able to communicate it in a way where I can hold space for other people. Um, so I'm aware of that. Yeah. I like the message that you bring into your poems a lot is kind of seeing life as a miracle in every moment in that way and coming back to gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel the opposite as well. So I'm reminding myself, you know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people with my work, they'll have a specific image of me too. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, I mean, I'm one step at a time like everybody else. And I write my poems as reminders, you know, to what I want to bring into the world and what I want to think about on a moment to moment basis. So they're mm-hmm. almost like roadmaps, you know, and um, I just happen to share them with other people. Isn't it interesting that we kind of teach what we need to learn the most? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All truths are paradoxes. Um, so at your event, you had us close our eyes and envision our dream and like feel what that felt like for a minute. And I wanted to ask you what yours is. Um, I don't think about my dream when I'm doing that exercise. It's the same thing. I'm just facilitating for other people. Mm-hmm. So I'm much more interested in them dreaming and uh, sharing their dreams with each other. Like usually if I'm doing it and it's not a bar, I was like a bar. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> <laughs> I'll like actually make people tap a partner and then share their dream with each other and give like only positive, constructive feedback. Um, and so I think it's important to dream. And then I think it's important to um, declare your dream to mm-hmm. someone else who's going to be supportive of you in that. Even if you can't see it and they can't see it, you know, just see it anyway. Yeah. You know, um, life can surprise you in that way. Um, so I think I'm living my dream. You know, I mean, I certainly have things that I would like to do and things that I'd like to create and ways that I would like to deepen. Um, but I'm living my dream. I was talking to my friend, uh, Mike Posner, who's a artist. He's a yeah. singer. And we were discussing this the other day. And he, he was saying, and it was so well said, he was saying that he feels like he has this relationship with his fans where, you know, they're giving him an opportunity to go out and explore life for a living and then come back to them and tell them what he's found. And a lot of people don't have the luxury of sitting back and thinking about these questions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that a lot of people don't make the luxury and a lot of people distract themselves from it. But a lot of people are also exhausted. They're like going through their day. They're struggling to make ends work. They have complicated lives. We're spinning in the middle of space right now. Shit is crazy, you know, like, and so I feel that it's a luxury for me to be able to think about 
what I'm thinking about or think about what I'm feeling, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and I feel like I have that relationship with my fans as well where I'm just appreciative and humbled, really, every single time that anyone has any interest in listening to anything that I have to say. I'm not one of these people who's like, secretly like yeah i'm fucking killing it. i mean i got it i have an ego of course but like but no i'm really ultimately very very appreciative and very very humbled that's really the right word and um so i'm grateful i'm grateful that i get a chance to explore and express for a living and um i feel like i'm already living my dream in that way yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like it's kind of this cycle where you're very raw and vulnerable and you're sharing what you're learning and then they're supporting you and investing their presence and time and it enables you to also do your art. So that's really powerful. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I think I'm very interested in um, my own personal responsibility mm -hmm. and I'm very interested in other people's personal responsibility. I mean, they can do whatever they want with their lives. I don't yeah. put my uh, expectations on them, but I'm interested in that. And then I'm also interested in societal responsibility and collective responsibility. And um, I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate not only more of that into my work, because I write about social issues a lot, mm -hmm. but how to incorporate it into reality. Um, I think it's a really interesting time where people's voices are being heard. And, um, you know, change comes slow, but it happens fast. And I, I believe it's a really powerful moment in human history to make some real change it is and i saw your gun violence video on your youtube um for all the listeners that haven't seen it they should go watch it and it's just in queue on youtube right yeah in dash q i'm positive. oh my website is yeah. definitely i in dash q but your youtube channel is also in queue yeah your guess is better I than mine. I'm r this is how bad at all this stuff I am. Oh. I'm really like just. Well, I just researched you thoroughly the past few days. So okay, good, it perfect. is in queue. Um, <laughs> where did that name come from, by the way? So in, in queue is in question. Okay. So the originally, my friend Jay and I were talking about uh, like rap names when I was like 14 or 15. I think I was 15. Mm -hmm. Maybe 14. And uh, there was this uh, rap uh, like duo called the bums and they were dope they had a dope song out and jay was like you know the bums would be really dope if they weren't called the bums <laughs> you know yeah and he was like you need a rap name and at the time my rap name was <laughs> this is so fucking embarrassing <laughs> it was gotham gotham i had flirted with gotham for like a month and a half as in like batman or just i don't know what the <laughs> fuck i was thinking i was just trying to come up with something cool i was whatever i was 14 i'm like I'm Gotham. Yeah, I'm Gotham. Hey, maybe you are Gotham, you know, saving the city, like going around. Yeah, no, no, not so much. No, it was actually the opposite of what you said. I was not saving anyone or anyone in the city or the city. You were just Batman. That's fine. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So. So he goes, you know, you should be inquiry. Because he was like, you're real curious about things. You ask a lot of questions. And I was like, that's cool. I like that inquiry. So then I started going as inquiry and then people just started calling me in queue mm. and then that became in question. I love that. And now it's your vehicle for many cosmic awakening poems. Yeah. Yeah.
But I want everyone from this moment on to call me Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to text Gotham. you now and be like, hey, Gotham, want to go to Moto? <laughs> <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I'm Gotham. Hey, it's the embarrassing things that people really appreciate because we're all just embarrassing as shit anyways. So, cool. yeah, it works out. <laughs> um, who are some of the people or teachers in your life that have deeply inspired you or impacted your work? Mm, I mean, I think I mentioned a lot of them, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, the different people that I go to for just different, uh, I would say, transformational modalities mm-hmm. you know i think all of that has affected my work uh in an, a big way um in terms of my specific poetry mm-hmm. uh i think you know the poetry lounge was my art college you know i didn't go to college i, I went to san Francisco state for a year i came back i went to smc for six months i got in a fist fight on campus and I dropped out. They put me in remedial math. I, I'm sharing a lot with you. This is interesting. Yeah, so I, I was not a very good student, you know. And um, so whatever. I, I was just, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to pursue art. So I ended up dropping out. And um, and the Poetry Lounge was my college. I mean, I went every Tuesday night, put up work. Those people are my family. And... Um, I think that, you know, for something like poetry that was being reimagined at that time period and is being reimagined now again, uh, you know, no one can tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, no one can even teach you how to rap either. That's what's so dope about it is like you can be around people who are dope and then you get doper, but no one can teach you how to be a poet. You just are. Like, even in my workshops, people are like, you know, what what do I do? And I'm like, I can't tell you <laughs> what to do. Just think of what is moving to you. Mm-hmm. What is meaningful to you? Start there. And the poetry will start to come out. It will write itself. Um, so I think just being around that amazingly talented community where I felt like anything was possible uh, was my biggest teacher in, in poetry. And mm-hmm. then I will say that when I ended up getting into songwriting later uh, with Rock Mafia, um, that was, I think, a opening up to a whole new realm of creativity that I ended up bringing back into my poetry as well. Do you still songwrite? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love it, but it's not my first love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is there another piece of advice that you would give to anyone who's starting to get into poetry or writing but feels a little uncertain or vulnerable about it yeah just embrace the vulnerability embrace the uncertainty and then do it anyway mm-hmm. you know fears are not the problem it's people being afraid of their fears it's just why be afraid of your fears it's so boring really i need to like mic drop that that's like the moment with the t that's amazing cool that yeah. has to be like a bumper sticker somewhere great yeah I mean, I'm sure I stole it from someone, so. <laughs> Isn't that funny where you're like, this sounds brilliant, but I feel like it's from someone else. Everything is from, s- I mean, yeah. nobody's doing anything new, and we're all doing something new. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. There you go. There you that go. paradox, though. Um, 
So this is the one question, and then I'd love it if you could perform the poem we talked about. Okay. That, um, how would you advise our listeners to create their own magic? Mm, I think, you know, my friend said this to me the other day, follow the path and the path will lead the way. Mm. I really, really like that. I'm sure he got it from somewhere else too. Um, but, you know, what that means is if you want to create magic in your life, look around at the things that inspire you that are magic, you know. Um, or even my same friend, he said something about that there's a difference between um, passion and curiosity. Mm. Just be curious, you know, just be curious in the world. Um, because I think that if you follow your curiosity, you're following the path mm -hmm. and the path will show you where it wants you to go. Um, and there will definitely be magic on the path. Yeah. That's actually reminds me of that talk by Elizabeth Gilbert. Your curiosity will lead you to your passion. Mm, there you so go. I love that. Yeah. Everything circulates. Um, so this poem is amazing. I mean, it's huge. It's got like 2 million views on YouTube. And um, first, I'd like to know like more of the story behind you writing it and what it means for you. And then if you could perform it for our audience. Yeah. So um, I used to live in a little back house and um, there was a woman um, named Dolores who moved in. She uh, was the mother of um, the woman who owned the house and we shared a kitchen together. She was in her 80s, really, really awesome woman, and her and I became friends. And, uh, and one night, it was 3 in the morning, and she was uh, getting taken away on a stretcher. There was an ambulance outside. She was still alive, but she was having major health complications. And um, I went and I visited her in the hospital, and she had tubes in and out of her system. She had a really high fever. She didn't recognize me. And I sat with her for like an hour. And... I basically said my goodbyes to her. I thought that this was her time and I didn't want her to suffer anymore. But she was not done fighting and she got better and they moved her to a retirement community and I went and I visited her in a retirement community like, I don't know, a month and a half later and um, I remember she was so cute. She had a hood on, you know. <laughs> She looked like we were about to get into a hip-hop cypher. <laughs> and uh, she was, like, in a good mood. And I was like, you know, what's what's going on? Like, how are you? You know, she's like, great. She's like, I met a guy. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I met a guy here, you know? And <laughs> we're, like, starting to see each other. It's basically what she said, you know? And I thought that was really, really awesome. And then I forgot about that. I completely forgot about it. I was inspired by it, but it didn't stick in my brain. And um, a couple of months later, I was like writing a poem about time. And uh, I was halfway through this poem about time. And I was saying, uh, I don't know what the line is. It's like pretty soon, it's like get it, getting out of bed will be like doing an Olympic sport. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like broke hip dancing, you know, joint pop locking. 
We only hear the tick-tocking when we stop talking, and that's not very often. It's common from the cradle to the coffin that we run our mouths like marathon jogging. And then I said, I want to fall in love when I'm 85. And then I was like, that's a different poem. You know, so then I just took that out and I put it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And then I finished the time poem. And then I wrote, like, you know, a couple of days later, I went back to the 85 poem and I just wrote it all. And I wrote it very quickly, actually. I wrote it in, like, probably two hours or something like that. Wow. And then it was done. Maybe it was channeled. Yeah, I don't know. It was a... (laughs) Uh, it was definitely, it's rare that I get emotional in my poems at all. So, um, but at the end of this one, I, I actually did. So I was like, okay, that's, that's something. Yeah, the first time I heard it actually um, was on another podcast and my sister and I were making dinner mm. and we heard it and both of us just kind of sank to the floor and started crying. It was so oh, beautiful. Wow. Thanks. Yeah, so I think it tends to hit people really emotionally. Yeah. All right, well, I should probably do it then. You should probably (laughs) do it. Now there's so much buildup. Are you ready? I don't know. (laughs) I want to fall in love at 85. Oh, let me say one more thing. Yeah. I realized then afterwards that it was inspired by Dolores. Because even though I didn't remember it, that's the full circle is, is that you know that any moment could bring you anything even love Mm. you know and that life is not over ever there's always hope there's always possibility that's another bumper sticker truth bomb right there (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right i want to fall in love at 85 go on shuffleboard dates and dance to hip-hop from 95. We would also listen to the song Staying Alive, but only for the message. Otherwise, we'd keep away from disco. It's depressing. We'd rock matching tracksuits and rope gold chains. We'd look like Run DMC, but in their old age. We'd take aerobics classes and wear bifocal glasses and eat at IHOP and hold hands at Sunday masses. And when it comes to the bedroom. Well, nothing much would happen in the bedroom because we're 85. But we would still be down to take a walk or take a drive or sit and talk or have a drink and watch the passers-by and ask each other why and how and who and where and when. And then we'd laugh and cry again about the people we had been. And I would touch her withered skin and comment on how thin it is to keep in something infinite. And she would smile, sweet and blush, then tell me that I think too much. She's right, I think too much. It's always been a problem. But then again, that's how I made my green like the goblin. When I was in my 20s, I was eating top ramen, counting up my pennies, saving up to go food shopping. But now I'm 85, and somehow I feel more alive. I turned my hearing aid up and bumped Jurassic 5. I read the sports page while she peruses classifieds. We like antique stores, garage sales, and barter buys. And when it comes to the bedroom, well, hopefully, every once in a while, 
She lets me knock her boots into the floral patterns of our bedpost, then hold her head close like death isn't chasing us, planning on erasing us and replacing us with better versions of us, reshaping us, remaking us, then recreating us with new identities so we can make new memories. Hush, little baby. Learn to walk and talk and think and lie and feel and fight and fuck and die and never get the answers why. She dips a joint of grass and wheat grass and we get high. Her hair is silver as the moon in the L.A. sky. We still pop pills, but it's not the Xanax anymore. Whenever we can't sleep, we listen to the ocean floor. She got a sound of the CCD for me from the Brookstone store. And ever since, I've been snoring like a, like a, like a really good metaphor for snoring. <laughs> Sorry, I go blank sometimes. What? I'm 85. Not complaining. I'm just happy that I'm still alive and happy that I have my better half by my side. Superfly. She doesn't look a day over 65. When I first saw her. I was totally in awe. She was classical, so I was like, yo, yo, ma. And that was all it took. A single look and I was shook. I fell for her like some loose shingles from our Spanish roof. And I'm a lover till she loses every last root and has to glue dentures to her gums to chew solid food. Ooh, now that's real love, dude. That's some push-comes-to-shove love. Not when it's convenient love. Hospital bed love. Feed her ice chips love. Never leave the room love. Sleeping in the chair love. Pray to up above love. Have to pull the plug Miss her in my bones, love. Everything about her love. Die within a month, love. Can't live without her love. Love. The only reason that we are alive. And none of us should have to wait until we're 85. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I really appreciate you and honor you for your vulnerability and your creativity and just you're a very raw, present, honest person. And I appreciate your presence. Thank you, you too. And I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Um, so for everyone listening, go to at NQ Life on Instagram and NQ on YouTube because if there's amazing videos on there. And yeah. So thank Thanks, you Anna. so much. All right. We are so grateful you tuned into this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and rate us on iTunes. Yes. And those of you who leave a rating and review, we want to share our gratitude by sending you a special gift. Just email info at yourownmagic.life and we will send you an exclusive meditation guided by the both of us. And make sure to say hi to us on Instagram. I'm at Ali Michelle L. Don't forget the random L at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Raquel Mon. 
mantra. Thank you. And have a magical day.